0: Hello listeners, let's get milestone This is the Project Management Podcast that explores how to deliver on projects effectively, whether they are software, construction, home improvement, or lifestyle initiatives. This is Episode 3, and we are exploring the politics involved in successful project management. I'm Janine Redman. Ask not what your country can do for you. Ask what you can do for your country. Politics are fun, said no one ever, but they are embedded in the social fabric of every project. Successful PMs are like circus ringmasters. There are many activities occurring simultaneously, and our job is to facilitate the smooth and continuous progress of those work streams. Sounds fun, right? Also another statement said no one ever. Let's break it down. The PM's prime directive is to deliver a request which is translated into requirements. It is then transformed into a work breakdown structure, or WBS. This is typically visualized by using a project plan and Gantt chart. A Gantt chart named after its inventor, Henry Gantt, is a type of bar chart that illustrates a project schedule. Then work packets are assigned, and a time duration is associated with that effort. But the mechanics of delivery is the easiest part of the PM's job. The hardest? Humans. Let's break down the human relationship connections of a project and how the project manager has to skillfully traverse each one. Now I've been a working PM for many years. And the hardest part of my job is navigating the politics inherent in organizations. The PM role is to be the leader and facilitate the execution of the effort. But to be successful, the PM must also be the chief relationship manager. That's not so bad. It's you and a group of dedicated resources all working together, right? Yes, that's true. However, it's not just you and your team. It's also your boss, the supervisors for all the different areas like development, testing, operations, along with your PMO, release management, security, finance. Get the picture? All of these people are involved in some aspect to your effort. And any one of these folks can have a positive or negative effect on your delivery. Welcome to Workplace Politics where relationships up, down, and across reporting chains will come into play at some point in your delivery. After the break, Maya Fije joins me as we discuss our experiences in navigating through the tightrope walk of workplace politics. All right, Maya, so let's talk about the many projects that both of us have run over a number of years and kind of isolate some of those areas where politics came into play, what we experienced and how we can help our sisters and brothers within the project management workspace to kind of walk that tightrope line within the political structure that they're in and maybe give some tips and tricks on how we've experienced it and how we have kind of successfully traversed that environment. So can you give us an example uh, or a couple? of these projects where you have had to deal with politics from the beginning of your project to the
1: end? Sure. Thank you, Janine. What I can tell you is that depending on where you are as a project manager will kind of lead you in the solution on how you have to deal with this. For example, if one of my projects, my last one, I was a vendor PM. There were politics that were going on that I was not aware of. So a lot of times as a project manager, I, st- I try to stay out of the politics as much as I can and focus on the project. I'm trying to be objective and deliver exactly what's needed and stay out of one person's side or one, one stakeholder's side or, or those type of dynamics. What I did in this instance was I went to the CEO of my company, And talk to him to get a sense of, this is what's going on. What do you know? And how do you want me to respond? I want to respond because most of the times the CEO knows what's going on. Most most of the time, the PM is the last person to know anything, (laughs) even sometimes in their project. But I went to my CEO and said, this is what's going on. How do you want me to respond? And that's when I got the update because I want to make sure that I am representing my company properly and not getting my company inadvertently drug into the minutiae. And in this particular instance, there was a lot of politics going on after they're being bought out by another company. Stakeholders were scrambling to point fingers, pointed at us at the vendor. So we had to come up with a game. So I, I, What I did was I called my team together with the CEO and say, hey, this is the lay of the land. This is what I'm hearing. How are we going to respond? And we responded with, we got a collective. Everyone talked about it, how they felt about it. Um, by the way, you never vent anything to your client. You may have that session with your team, um, but you make sure that you are aligned with your team and your CEO. And a lot of times you let the CEO handle it. You stay out of it as a project manager and let them handle the discussions that are going on and then let the CEO or whoever is in charge, your account manager, come back to you to say, this is what's really going on. And then as a team, we come up with a plan on how can we better manage our client. Uh, what are some of the pitfalls we think that's going to happen out of what's coming out? Now, for this instance, one of the stakeholders happened to be um, a different department all along. Finance was the only one that was in trouble, so to speak. And what happened was because they're in trouble and, you know, when when you've got those swirling issues uh, the politics that are going on. There's gossip. There's all those type of things. As is, is a PM, you got to stay out of it, but you have to be aware of what's going on. And we, as the vendor, were blamed for the issue. And it was a big brouhaha. All I did was get my team back together with the CEO And made sure that we were still in alignment. This is our feedback, and went with the guidance of the CEO who would send an email or whatever. We identified exactly what the role we were going to do and how we were going to be a part of this. So that was my last issue that I had and how I resolved it bringing in the CEO and letting him lead the effort, but also coming to the aid of the department that's in trouble. Hey, how can we best help you? What can we do? how can we help you out in your issue? So those are some of the other things that we try to do. Um, as a PM, try to be helpful. How can we help you? What's going on? Let, let us hear you. Maybe we can do something. Maybe we can't. But at least reach out to see how we can best help. Usually we'll put us the vendor in a, uh, or the PM in a good place. Unfortunately, with politics, sometimes PMs are just collateral damage. And we have to deal with that the best way we can. Sometimes PMs
0: are collateral damage. You are highlighting kind of what it's like to be a contractor PM coming into a client space and having to execute not just your project, but you're also dealing with your own contractor company hierarchy. And you have to deal with the client hierarchy so you are fighting a war on many fronts and one of the things naturally that human beings do unfortunately is there's a lot of blame game sometimes humans especially when they're stressed tend to rely on finger pointing and saying it's not me it's somebody else and because of the role itself as the project manager or the scrum master or anyone in the program portfolio chain you tend to be the one wearing a target on your back. The reality is project managers are kind of like the quarterback of the team. And when you watch football or soccer or whatever, and you lose, the first time that happened, people are saying, oh, well, why didn't the quarterback, you know, complete more passes or whatever. So you as the PM really are shouldering a lot of that finger pointing. And as a PM, one of the things you learn, and I think you learn this through experience, is to make sure that you distance yourself from your ego. Early on, it was very hard for me. I will admit that because I did everything right, made sure that the teams were doing what they needed to do and everybody was communicating. But yet if one team Let's just say it's development, as an example. If they feel stressed or they're not able to complete what they need to complete, instead of saying, you know what, we tried and and we messed up and we dropped the ball, we will take that accountability and responsibility. Unfortunately, it's a lot easier to say the PM didn't set up meetings. The PM's the one that didn't make sure that their requirements were clear, that kind of thing. So from a political standpoint, it becomes very challenging to be able to make sure that everybody's working together and they are and yet still having to deal with inevitably in projects especially the ones that are very tough the ones that have tight timelines reality is almost all projects are like that and also the ones where it goes off track for whatever reason it's the pm that's kind of like in the crossfire so as a more mature pm as i have put in my experience in my war wounds over a number of years, you start to kind of do things, whether you realize, you know, it's a proactive or it might be a subconscious sort of defense mechanism of figuring out how to at least take the blame off the table. In, in recent project, I just learned uh, we're using WebEx because now a lot of people are working remotely and using WebEx to record the sessions every day. I, Primarily do agile these days. I'm now able to say, oh, no, you said three days ago that you were going to do X. When you don't have recordings, a lot of times crosstalk happens and stand ups and it's very easy to forget what somebody might have said. And we tend to say, okay, well, the lead developer said that he was going to get this done by Friday. And if you don't have that recording on Friday, we say, okay, lead developer, you had said that you're going to get it done on Friday. And they may say, no, I didn't. So for me, that has definitely helped. It's not necessarily because I wanted to catch people. It was more for me to kind of remember, wait a minute, what did these people say? Because if a project goes on for any length of time, it's very hard to remember all the nuances of conversations. I'm also somebody because I embrace Agile so much and I love the concept that everybody is responsible and accountable. But when things get to a point where whatever delivery can't happen on a specific day and we might go into a jeopardy situation with the project status, We start seeing other people say, oh, no, what you were doing weren't agile. We should be doing it this way as opposed to, oh, yeah, we were supposed to complete our code. I have to constantly be very conscious of not only the politics of what's going on, what everybody else is saying to each other. But I also have the added burden, as I'm sure many you and many other PMs do, is when you get these situations where somebody starts the blame game, I also have to deal with someone who's higher up in my hierarchy who may be managing the team that is blaming. They are only hearing from their own people. So it's very hard for me to call them out in a team meeting because, again, part of my job is to make sure that everybody's working together and not fracturing the team. So these conversations can be very challenging, especially if you're on a stand up and you have somebody with a higher title basically saying you're not doing it right because they're hearing from their people. So, you know, to all my fellow project managers out there, we know, I mean, we definitely know because we've been through the trenches. You and I have been doing project management for quite some time and we've experienced many of these situations where something happens and now you have to deal with the added burden of the political interplay between you and people who are higher up in title You, Maya, have had to have that additional layer of not just dealing with the client in the hierarchy, but also your own company and their hierarchy. So there's a lot of things that are at play. And it's one of the reasons why politics within project management is so challenging. So one of the things we would like to do for our listeners is, especially if you are a younger PM or one with less experience, Dealing with politics is something, unfortunately, you just have to learn while you're in the trenches. It's not really something you can pick up from a book. So what we would like to do is kind of talk through a few of our experiences, what we did, what maybe we didn't do and we should have done, and how we can help you. And perhaps you listeners can help us with any future political issue that we're dealing with and maybe better ways of handling it. Human beings just are built to do what they need to do for survival. Completely understand that, especially in a corporate world. We're all working and doing the best we can. And, you know, we also have those additional burdens of we have mortgages and children and, you know, college tuition and all that kind of stuff. So everybody at some point does get to a position where maybe they start being defensive because they feel like, oh, no, you know, maybe my livelihood is at at risk, if this project doesn't deliver, et cetera, and I'm afraid, so the best thing I can do is say, oh, it's the PM's fault, so I can shield myself.
1: When I give my expectation to my team, we win as a team, we lose as a team, but I let them know right away, accountability is expected. It's a really good lesson and always, from the jump, making sure that everybody knows that we are all equal here and we all gotta deliver together. You'll have those people on a team that believe that they are the end-all, be-all, and they are the quarterback, not the PM, and so you have to level set to let them know what you will and what you won't accept. And I find as a PM that I have to do that when I first walk in. I may not know you. I have to get to know you because I have to get you to trust me so that you would give me accurate information because we've both been there, Janine, where depending on whether they like you or not, they may not give you the information that you need or if it's inaccurate. So you have to, like you said, project management, there are certain things you can learn from a book, but project management is is a people technique. And you have to, again, level set to let them know what you'll expect. And when you were speaking before, I started thinking, well, what do I what did I do in that instance? Because what my experience is when I go for a contract, oh, they're agile. So you have to know agile. Yes, I understand that I am a scrum master, but I also know human nature defaults to waterfall because that gives you the most information information. And so, what I've found is my team might be agile, but I'm going to use waterfall artifacts that are going to right off the bat, I'm going to include not only my leads, but I'm going to include your boss for the simple reason the more information I give out, it's better for not only for the project, but for the team, the stakeholders, everyone involved. And so, when those instances where the leads were going back to their um, supervisors and saying, yes, this is, well, it's their fault. They didn't do so-and-so. And then you'll have those heavy-handed people come to those meetings already mind-made up. But if they're already informed and I'm making sure that you are aware of what's going on and if anything is wrong, well then that's your person's fault for providing that. So I try, I try to provide traceability as long as accountability and even those 15-minute check-in meetings, and I know you're not supposed to take notes or what. I will. Those one of the things that I will make a call and I will add a status or I will provide uh, minutes or notes, whatever I'm going to call them, and call everybody so they know what's was talked about. Again, traceability helps. I mean, those are the, some of the things that I've learned along the way that not to wait until something happens. Let's just open it out the box. I've got my bag of tricks. Let's pull this out and just lay it on the line right away so that everyone knows what they're up against. And uh, sometimes that works. And sometimes it works against you initially, <laughs> but you'll find out as long as you stay, uh, like you were saying on that narrow path of of being, what is the word I'm looking for, I guess, uh, neutral and not getting involved in the politics or don't ever let your opinion come out. Make sure that you stay clean is what I call it and just do what you're you're supposed to do, deliver, and just stay out of the minutiae or the drama, I call it. I'm glad
0: you said that. This is why you are on this podcast. You have so much experience and you've been through this. You've been through the trenches. So, you know, but I like the concept of just 100% transparency and traceability. So, one of the things that is important is to also sort of train your team by example. It's like, this is how we're going to do it, folks. You know, after a certain point, We start seeing the wheels start slowing down because maybe team members have gone into some difficult space where they're not able to either code or get their work done, even though they felt like they could make it. And with Agile, I love Agile because if you have a project that you're handed and in my experience, we had maybe 40 days and we were able to deliver it in those 40 days, but there were some hard days because a few people felt like, well, we, we need to have sprint planning sessions, etc. People understand Agile, but they think Agile is only scrum sprints. And there's a, quite a few other kind of execution methods under the Agile umbrella. And for those of you who are working in Agile, I strongly suggest you look into Lean Kanban. It's much easier and it's more efficient when you have very tight timelines, it doesn't carry with it the same overhead in sprint planning and estimation and all that kind of stuff, because the project I'm talking about, there's no way we could have done that. We could not even have sprints because we barely had requirements. Day one, we had to figure out how to get everything we needed and move quickly. So one of the better methods for that is lean Kanban. That doesn't mean scrum sprints aren't Uh, An effective way of doing it. It's just when you have very, very short timelines, you might not have the opportunity to sit down and go through full fledged uh, estimation and planning sessions. And also, it's possible that your product owners, they don't quite know either. They just were also handed, hey, we need you to build this widget and then they're struggling with, well, how do we give requirements on this widget when we don't quite know either, but our boss is telling us we have to have this widget done in 40 days kind of thing. So it's one of the reasons why I do enjoy agile, bigger picture, but also agile and applying lean Kanban, because it allows you to take all that chaos and uncertainty and still be able to deliver The challenge is when I'm dealing with some of these Agile teams, they don't know Lean Kanban very well. And so when people are stressed, as you said, they tend to fall back on that, which is familiar to them, which tends to be waterfall. And for some of these people, it tends to be sprints. They believe that sprint planning sessions are important to them, even though while you're doing other Leading Kanban efforts and you ask them for dates, they won't tell you they don't know. So doing a sprint planning session is not going to help them in any way, but it's easier for them to say, oh, no, we didn't do sprint planning sessions. Therefore, you know, we missed our date. Right. So. Those are some Mm -hmm. of the, I would say, pitfalls, I think, in working with some teams who believe they're experts. You and I have talked about this before. Everybody's an expert in agile. Just ask them. But they're experts that have never had the responsibility to deliver anything. And that's the big difference. Those of us who are professionals running agile, we also have the responsibility and accountability to deliver that project. Somebody who's like, let's just say, a developer. They can say all that, but they're not the ones when the project goes in jeopardy, or when the project doesn't make its release date. They're not the ones that
1: have to explain to the executives. So right, I've been I've been in that in that place where I had a developer who in this company where they use developers as PMS, and this developer is saying, oh, I can deliver the moon. As the PM, you know better, and you challenge them. Unfortunately. The stakeholder was, you know, the 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 dev uh, developer was friends and they had been there longer than the PMO and the PM and the PM at me, I was just pushed aside with no, you don't understand. He said he can deliver it. You didn't do this correctly. You didn't comp- you didn't compress the timeline. You didn't do what you were supposed to do. But I'm telling and then the thing is, but you're telling from experience. You're telling the truth. This is not going to deliver because of these reasons. And of course, lo and behold, it did not deliver as the d- developer said. It delivered when I told them they would. Yet they never want to hear that. Uh, and if you're a doomsday and if you're telling the truth and it's not what they want to hear, again, the PM is to blame. You are very fortunate to be in a, in a company where you can do agile, Kanban, Lean. you can do all of that. Sometimes as a PM that comes as a contract PM, I come in, I have to do what the company is doing. So I'm at the mercy of whatever my team is doing and the company is doing, and I have to figure out how to merge this and to deliver. So a lot of times PMs have to think, I mean, we are, we are at the mercy of the company that we're doing um, we're, we're working at. And yes, I have a a suggestion that maybe we can use Jira, but you know what, if they're not using Jira or if we're, we have it and the company, the client doesn't want to adopt it. Well, there's nothing we can do. We can just say, okay, well let's agree on how we're going to deliver this and what we're going to do. And so that's where I've noticed that in my career, it's always a hybrid of something. Because this this team only knows this. This team knows this. And what is interesting is my last client, I come in and I'm like, hey, let's try to do this. Let this, I see what your process is. I have a few recommendations and I'm shot down. No, that's not how we do it. And in my head, I'm like, yes, you're right. It's not how you do it because your current process isn't working for you. So I'm trying to help you, but yet you don't want to change. And again, that's another issue that we have to deal with is change. So a lot of times the PMs are at mercy of whoever our client is, or if we are at our company, but I I mean, as a contractor, I'm always at the mercy of the client and I have to be able to speak whatever language they're piecemealing me to and make sure that I can get all of those together and. Deliver something that everyone understands and can um, explain. That's been a big challenge as you come in as a contractor, PM, that I've experienced. Because we have had uh,
0: projects that have been assigned to us with teams that we hadn't worked with before. We have to, from the very beginning, kind of establish those relationships with folks. Also, establish the fact that we are leading the effort. So those two things become very important as the time moves forward in your project. So when you're first assigned and you meet up with your, let's just say your BA or your dev lead, test lead and all that kind of stuff, you have to very quickly establish friendly relationships. You have to understand how to work with people and how you need to be know, a positive person when you're on stand-ups or in project meetings. You also have to make sure that it's established that you are the leader. So that's also a political tightrope walk. How do I make sure that I put across this air of control and leadership while also being friendly and kind? And you and I have talked about this previously where It can be much more challenging for female project managers than male project managers. Men tend to, at the jump, get a little more respect. People tend to listen to them. We have both been in these experiences where we might have had a male pm or program manager and we watch how they work we come in and do our job because we may be a project manager on a particular application within a larger project and yet we have to work a little harder because the way i would say larger companies and it could be smaller companies but human nature tends to listen to those with stronger deeper voices it's all these nuances that you and I know because we live it that other people might not quite understand. So if you are a listener and you're a male PM, maybe if um, you have any feedback with that, I would love to hear it. Also with female PMs, I would love to hear your experience as well. You and I, Maya, can only really speak from us being females in these situations. It's also a little more difficult for a female project manager from a contracting company to come in. Because you're always going to have within any project team at least one person who I might call stubborn or difficult. And now you have that added burden of having to find out how to neutralize that person so they're not causing discord within the team. Because our job as leaders is to make sure that everybody's working together. So these challenges are inherent every time we start a project. Also, when you're with people every day, just as you are in a human interaction, if you're with friends every day or family every day, people sometimes have bad days and there may be moments where, you know, someone might get a little testy or, you know, they challenge you and say, why are we doing this? This doesn't make sense. It does add to the stress and the burden of the PM because our job really is to make sure dispassionately, not not involved too emotionally, the effort continues on and delivers. Our job is to make sure that everybody works together so we can deliver for the client at the end of the project train. When we work with people on a daily basis, we as PMs know, okay, you guys, we need to get to the next milestone or, you know, the code drop, is Friday. Are we going to make it? Are we going to make it? You can ask that question on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. The answer is going to be yes, 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 yes. Until on Friday, oh no, we're red now. We've all experienced this. We talked about this in the previous podcast. We tend to have to pull people along with us and say, come on, you guys, we can do this, but we need to know that you're gonna make it and we need to all trust that when you tell us your status, that we can believe in it. I do believe that everybody is doing the best they can. I think they were providing us the best information they have, but that doesn't mean that when they get into the weeds, they may feel afraid to speak up.
1: I was just thinking about this. You also, as a project manager, have to make your team feel safe and eliminate that fear they have of speaking the truth, telling you the truth. And that is one of the things, if you can eliminate the fear when you meet with your team and they can believe in you and know that you are going, you are not there to expose anything. You are there to help them get to the end point. We're all a good team. And you have to, again, eliminate that fear because in some organizations, Fear, that's how, that's how things get done. Even if it's a team member or something they hear, they could, fear can come in anytime, any day. It doesn't have uh, an appointment. And so you also have to, as a PM, have to look out for that and show your team through demonstration that you're there for them and you, they don't have to fear. And if they have any issues or concerns, they have a free forum to voice them without fear of repercussion.
0: Agile mature teams all believe that they are taken care of and safe. And it's like a beautiful dance to watch because they all take accountability and responsibility. I've been blessed to be running a number of agile mature teams for almost going up four years now in my company. It's the projects that are outside of that that tend to run into some rough waters. And the reason why is, you know, this when we are assigned a project, it's not like we get the same team every time. So we can't have those ongoing relationships that we can lean on and say, hey, you guys, remember this thing we just did last week? Let's just do this again. So we have to retrain everybody, especially those who may feel that they're agile, mature because they they know, quote unquote, you know, scrum. But yet when push comes to shove, that's the one thing they say somebody
1: isn't doing it right. And when those happen, when you don't get the same teams, um, because I know when we work together, sometimes we wouldn't have the same teams, but we'd have we knew each other. It was based on relationships. And that's one of the things I appreciated because I may not be on this. You know, we have multiple projects. Sometimes we may have four projects at the same time, and you may have crossover, and sometimes you don't. But the relationships that you make go a long way. And if you are known to be a good leader, good, a fair leader, that reputation will precede you, and it will really work in your favor. Luckily, I've had some of that if you're at the same company. Sometimes you don't have that capability or it's not um, possible where you are as a contractor sometimes, but if you, what I've found is if you treat people fairly and you just be a good person, your reputation will precede you, like I mentioned, and you will, even if it's a new team, they've heard of you and they're interested in working with you. That goes a long way as well to help me when I'm, you know, as a contractor.
0: That's well put. This is why you're so important on this podcast, Maya. I love your experience and I love how you were able to frame this narrative in a way that anyone can say, yeah, you know, you're right. That's exactly what I'd like to do. And that's one of the reasons why I am in project management. I think we both can agree when projects are going well, we love our job. It's fun, and it's fun kind of watching people kind of do this dance of execution. It's really those those um, rapids that we might encounter that cause us to kind of be off center a bit. I believe in project management. I believe in working with people. I just think the politics can be a bit much sometimes. And one of the biggest things we can do is distance ourselves and our ego from what's happening. It can be challenging, though, especially when you hear people say, oh, well, you're not doing agile right or we need to do it this way. When you know that's not the case, you have the bigger picture. The people who are in your team tend to have view just on their space so like developers view the developing side and how they relate to maybe testing or the requirements but you as the PM have the lens pulled back you can see bigger picture and know what's going to work and what isn't and for me personally that tends to be the challenge when you get into these rough waters but I love how you kind of put that in such a way that people can hear it and say Maya's exactly right 100 percent. I think one of the things I do want to kind of summarize for our listeners is, you know, in the beginning of the project, Maya, you had a really good point. um, Establish the rules of engagement in the beginning. This is how we're going to do it, everybody. Everybody jump on. And you're right. I mean, it's possible that there may be some pushback, but it's good to say this is how we're going to handle this in the same way a teacher might do. In high school, and you guys, these are the rules, yep. and this is how we're going to do it. Establish your your dominance in a way, but also establish that kind of um, benevolent leader that you are. Also, I'd mentioned what had helped me was recording the WebEx sessions when you're working remotely and having standups. Those do help you. Because Just as the PM, you can always go back and listen to what people had said. It's also helpful for me because I can then, going back to what you're talking about, traceability, it helps me understand who are the ones that are attending every day. Who are the ones that aren't? Because then I'm able to say, hey, Bob, you know, I noticed that, you know, you're only able to make one or two of these stand ups a week. Is there anything I can do to help you? Is it because of timing issue? Perhaps I can change the the time of the meeting. So those kind of uh, tips are really important. Also, when we see people who are challenging in a project, who might be stubborn or whatever, It's important to somehow neutralize them in the sense that maybe meet with them offline, maybe get a phone call together. We really don't work in the same office anymore in 2020. So it's not like we can do the old school thing of, hey, let me get you a cup of coffee or take you to lunch. It doesn't quite work that way anymore. But just try to figure out how you can create some sort of relationship or connection to that person who maybe is being a detractor in your effort. I've said this before that it's very hard to get somebody who's a detractor to come all the way over to being, you know, an advocate or a friend. Sometimes the most you can do is just to get them neutralized in the sense that they're not causing any disruptions within the team anymore. And you know what? That's good too. I mean, for me, I'm perfectly fine if people are dispassionate and they just want to get the job done a plus, but You know, when I do see that happening in a project, it's super important for all those PMs out there. you got to find some mechanism to neutralize that because you don't want that negativity to kind of spread within the team. Unfortunately, it can happen. As we said before, human beings tend to be a little negative sometimes when they get stressed. And the last thing I need is a team that isn't working together happily. And also just make sure that as a PM, you understand that you've got to remove your ego from the situation. I have made this mistake a number of times where I then become defensive when someone says you guys aren't doing agile, right? So I have to sit back and go, okay, maybe there is some information that they are trying to put across that I can learn from or Maybe it's my opportunity to better understand they're under stress and see what really is the issue, because you're not doing agile right is probably an excuse that they're maybe using to cover up the fact that they weren't able to deliver something on a date that they provided. So, you know, just make sure that you don't get too caught up in the drama because there will be drama. I will put that in black Font bold underline there will be drama where human beings it happens it's really about being the project manager that can step back, not get too defensive about it and and listen to them and hear them out and see if you can come to some detente some way of saying, okay, how can we make sure that we're following agile and see what we can do to help you developer get to where you need to be
1: there's two things that I've learned. <clears throat> um, with them, which is what's in it for me. And I try to establish, I try to bring that up to my project team because I want them to be invested in this. So I have to kind of present it to them as what's in it for you. Also is listening. Um, that has been my challenge is to listen, to be quiet and just listen. Usually, if you listen to someone who's being passionate or just speaking, you'll find out you'll you can hear or you'll figure you can figure out as a PM how to move by listening. And I realize a lot of us don't listen. So if you can listen, the, and it, it's very hard to to just sit back and listen and not comment and just hear someone out. But it's very important. And the last thing is, which I've learned and I had struggled with, was respond and not react. In any situation on the project, don't respond. Take a moment, take a pause, and then respond correctly. Because, as you said, our ego has us, we want to respond right away. And it's like, no, we want to react, I'm sorry, right away. That's how ego rules us. But if we can just take a pause and not react and respond, we find that what we thought was this big hurdle is not really that bad and can be maintained and we can move forward. Those are my challenges that I am, I've been working on and focusing on.
0: That's fantastic. Maya, as always, you are an amazing guest. I just want to say to the project managers out there, our listeners, we're here for you. So feel free to email us you can stop by our podcast page. It is let's get and we will have information there where you can send us questions. We'd love to answer them, but the most important thing I want to make sure that you are aware of that we're here for you. We know what this is like from a PM perspective. We have been there. We've had amazing experiences. We've, we've also had a lot of challenges, but if there's anything we can do in our experience to help you with any support or tips and tricks in certain situations, please let us know. We're more than happy to respond to you. Thanks again, Maya. It's been a pleasure. For you listeners, we will be back soon with the next edition of the Let's Get Milestones.